Hi guys, welcome to the Wabi Sabi Pod. Um, it is Monday. I'm recording in the morning, which I never really do. Um, and I just announced that I have 20 days left in New York. Um, this is going to be a hard pod to get through. for many reasons. So I thought it was really appropriate to start rounding out all the corners of my life with you to help you because if I am not of service to you, then what is the point of living in New York City? A small town San Diego beach girl doesn't end up here for fun, um, even though I had a fucking blast. (laughs) All right. Today we're going to talk about the 10 things I learned making it in New York City. First, I want to say to be gracious and honor yourself first, because when you honor yourself and when you're good to yourself, you can be really good to everybody else. So number one is to remember to be very good to you and to practice more gratitude and love um, and being really kind to yourself. When I moved here, I was still in my 20s and I was really young and naive and I thought people owed me things. And even though I struggled, um, I came here, you know, with one suitcase and I lived on an Avenue C walk up apartment next to a squat house with a bunch of druggies. And they were actually really nice. Uh, (laughs) They're probably on drugs. Uh, But I also, you know, had really good best friends who were here when I first moved. Um, Michelle, who now moved out of here, and so did Meredith. Uh, Michelle is traveling the world. um, And Meredith is a designer in Hong Kong. And then Um, I actually had a falling out with another one of my friends, I think, before I even moved here. So I came um, and had to meet new friends along the way. So after a few years here, I ended up meeting Janelle and Molly and Alyssa, who became three of my other best friends in New York. Um, But I pay a debt of gratitude to them because I am not the same person that I am from the day that I came here eight years ago in September. Be kind to yourself because you're really the only person at the end of the day that you've got to love wholeheartedly. It's a lot easier when you say, I love you. You're brilliant and kind and gentle um, and you're a good person. So just continue to be gracious, honor yourself first, and then you can help others and other really good people are going to come your way. You know, you also have to remember and keep this in the corner somewhere in your brain and don't let it take up too much real estate there, but you should remember that people are going to hurt you. So grace and resilience are key. Some of the people that hurt me in New York City during my eight-year course here um, didn't mean to hurt me. That was not their intent, but they did. (laughs) There was this FBI agent that I dated for a while and I 
truly adored him. Um, and he was not very kind to me. And I had to learn how to move on from him, even though he and I had continued our relationship for almost five years. Um, I just had to say that I love myself more than I would ever be able to love him. And if you find yourself in a relationship that's hurting more than it's helping, then I would absolutely ask yourself the same. Sometimes it's better to part ways um, for more growth and development as a better person and to be grateful for the love that you did have together and the times that you spent together and, and try to remember the good. Um, and remember that you you know, your person could be many different people. So you've got a date to figure that out. Um, other people that hurt me were photographers I worked with and food stylists and, uh, women that took advantage of my kindness and people that really took advantage of my book advances that I got. Um, and they probably didn't have intent to hurt me either. But it happened. Um, another group of people that really hurt me to the core were probably TV producers who really wanted to paint a picture of me in a much different light. Maybe it was just the fact that they wanted to fill a character on a series or a show. Um, but I paid dearly in dividends and in pain. Um, learning what it was like to work with people that did not care about my best interests, but yet theirs. <laughs> Welcome to New York City. This is the Wabi Sabi podcast and we're on episode fucking 16. No, fucking 17. Hang on, dude. I also want you to know we hit 100,000 downloads and all I've done was promote this pod for 16 weeks on my own with no help, no ads, no money. Everything is sweat equity and on my own. So thank you for being this 100,017 or 16. You are my sweet 116. My hand is on my heart. I am grateful. Remember, number two, people will hurt you. So grace and resilience become key. Guess who the strongest people are at the end of the day in New York City? They're the ones that are full of grace and resilience and honor, truly. And I know exactly who those people are. Most of them predominantly are actually women. So girls, if you're listening, that grace that you have that is so feminine and beautiful and humbling, that kindness and nurturing heart that you have that men don't have, that's your special set of superpowers. And I know we talked about that before, but I want you to remember that the one of the greatest lessons, I put it as number two in living in New York, was that I now expect and know that people are going to hurt me along my journey. I'm having some nice ice water today um, in my cute little blender bottle. Sorry, it's very loud. <laughs> Um, also we're recording while I'm watching the skyline, um, in my last 23 days here. Oh my God. I gave myself a little cushion of a couple of days to pack. Cause you know, when you come here with one suitcase and you leave with a lifetime of work, I just don't 
I can't even tell you guys where to start. <laughs> okay, deep breath. Candace, get your shit together. Oh my god, sorry you guys. This is going to be the hardest podcast to record. Um, number three, I put expect nothing from everyone and that there will never be any handouts. So I come from a family of really hardworking people. My mother is a school teacher. My father is a nuclear auditor, former um, engineer in the Navy. And my sister runs her own cycling shop as an entrepreneur in London. And my parents live in California. I live in New York. And Jenny is across the pond. So between all of us, we're very global. My mother was born in Japan and my father was born in Poland. And I think it's probably one of the other reasons being raised Christian, Catholic, and Buddhist, and just believing that the world was brought together and unified always by love and helping and being of service to others. I knew that I couldn't have expectations that things would be handed to me. And everybody is entitled to playing this game in New York City a different way. So there are certainly people that are users and social climbers People that are assholes, little bitches, people that like expect shit, entitlement. There's all kinds of people that come here. I mean, one of the most beautiful parts of being in New York is riding the subway and putting on your headphones and looking around and seeing every person from all over the world, all different kinds of people, different hearts, different minds, different religions, different ways of living and respecting and loving, unifying all walks of life here in the city. That's what we do. But one thing I always remember when I'm going through my toughest times is that I must not expect anything from anyone. You'd probably be really surprised to know that my parents actually don't want me to take a break and um, I'm going to continue my world tour for the new book, but I am not allowed to stop off and stay with them for a very long period of time. And my, one of my best friends and I were talking about this actually yesterday and Crystal said, you know, your parents probably see not letting you stay there as the harder choice to make. But in turn, it's the better choice for everybody because it's actually going to help you more. So when you don't have any expectations, like now I know I can't expect to be able to have a cushion with them. This is like full throttle. Like I am trying to learn how to become more self-sufficient with my business rather than continuously trying to work on the 60 branding deals that we did out here in New York City. And we killed it. We fucking killed it. Like, I know I must leave wanting more and leaving everybody wanting more. But you guys know, I outgrew this town. My expectations of New York have been met. I did well. I will take a bow for now.
Play hard, play fair, and be honest. This is number four. We cannot expect to get back from the universe and the world. God, Buddha, whoever's watching over us, the angels, we can't expect to get back goodness if we don't give good. If the words stand true, you get what you give. I'd like people to treat me with respect and honor. I'd like for people to be truthful with me. I played my hardest game here. I went up to bat and this is the first time ever in my life where I feel that I've nailed it. I didn't know what to expect when I came out. Um, but there was a party my friend Rebecca and I went to a couple days ago. My friend Matt Paget, who runs an incredible PR firm in LA, just casually like a bro, <laughs> as always, he looks at me and he's like, you know, you've outgrown your space like 10 times over. <laughs> he's like straight legit to my face. Candace, you know, you, you've actually outgrown writing books too. He's like, you only write books because they're comfortable for you now. And he also said to me many years ago on a trip that we took out to Toomey and Silver Oak wineries, he said, and this is while I was still an editor at Shape and Men's Fitness, we're driving out together from San Francisco to Napa and he goes, do you know what your calling is? And Matt has this thing where he only reps top tier legacies, legends, and leaders in the industry. So his clients are like A++. So when he gives advice, you know, I'm a, a Taurus. I'm a stubborn bitch. Like, I don't always want to listen to people tell me what to do. In fact, I'd rather not. <laughs> but Matt says, he goes, you know, I know what you're your thing is, he's like, you're a category leader, Candace, and you know it. You know it. You fucking know it. Like deep inside, he's right. I do know it. But I've always let my fears stand in the way of my full potential. And I think what New York did was it gave me this like confidence boost and it helped me to learn in the humblest way possible my capacity to love, to live, and to share and to bring people together. But it wasn't just in wellness or food or lifestyle or beauty. It was actually in what Matt brought to my attention one day. He said on that drive, you know your category leader and I know what your calling is. Keep in mind this is many years ago. And he says, you're supposed to bridge the gap between the American decline in health and Japanese wellness. And I remembered I turned to him as he was driving and I was like, look here, motherfucker, you're not going to tell me what to do because my pretty, pretty delicious books and my clean, clean green eats brand is doing quite well. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know what, after that trip, um, the Japan Society and Ito and Matcha Love and the U.S. Japan Council, the Little Tokyo Service Center, working with the White House Initiative for Asian American Pacific Islanders under the Barack Obama administration in Hawaii, 
all of these different things came to pass. And I said, holy shit, I think Matt's right. And it wasn't like an overnight, whoa, this is my calling. But what I did was I played real hard here in New York and I was honest. And I had always asked God to send me some answers and guidance along with my mother, father, sister, any therapist that I was seeing at the time, currently working with Annie Yusim. And also I asked my very closest friends and it just became more open and honest and vulnerable as I grew. And I told all of you all my problems and my low points and the downtimes and the breakups and the depression and the therapy. And I showed you how my life was perfectly imperfect. Wabi sabi. This was the year I took my mask off, 2018. It took me eight years to do that, guys. Eight. Eight. If you are struggling, it is so important to play hard, to give your best, to play fair, and to always be honest. And if you're putting up a front right now, like you're telling yourself that your job is great, your work is great, you're having a fab time, okay, enjoy but I want you to ask yourself, are you really living to your full potential? Do you know what your thing is yet? And are you running it like a fucking boss? Because Matt was one of the first people to call me out on my shit. And he just did it again a few years later while we're at this party for Hotel Tonight. One of his clients and we're just chilling. And I was like, oh, Matt, leave it to Matt to always bring it up to me. But it's true. I must honor myself and play hard. It would be a disservice to each of you if I did not live to my full potential and live through my life's greatest calling. And if anybody was going to whoop my ass and put me back into my place, it was New York City. Thank you, New York. Number five, patience is the highest virtue and it will take a great deal of both time and money with a splash of patience to get to where you want to be. Now, I came here with that one suitcase after a couple years of, of I was on Top Chef first season. So I was really young and cute and 22 when I was on that show. How cute. <laughs> I'm in my 30s now, and it took me over a decade to figure out what my thing was, and it's still ever evolving. So I want you to remember that patience will be your highest virtue. I lived in New York for eight years, and I judged on Iron Chef America many times, beat Bobby Flay many times, and also had the opportunity to pitch my own show many times and got handed pilots and ideas and people asked me to be their show host many times. Uh, but I never felt like we had hit our mark or that it was time. And I think in working on this book tour globally, in the nine countries that I'm going to go to. And also don't forget guys, I'm going to go to national spots too. Like LA is going to be our first spot and then it'll be San Francisco after that. And we're going to have fun. But remember, sometimes it's better to be really patient 
because all the girls that got their own Food Network shows when I didn't, um, I don't think they're where they could have been if they were on their own like myself. Like I did a lot of self-work and I branded my own work and I stayed true to who I was even though they made money and got all the glory and PR. And instead this boomerang effect almost happened when all the chefs started watching me and seeing my star rise as my agent Strand says, Gibbs, your star is going to rise. He doesn't sound like that, but that's a good agent voice when the agents are like, yep, Candace Kumai doing great, killing it as always. <laughs> I mean, or so I made it look, but I'm also, yeah, a professional at making everything look fucking fabulous. Remember, patience is going to be your highest virtue. And so I really encourage you guys to take time with where you want to go. Also, every book that I wrote took me a really long time. And there were times where, sure, I wanted to show pictures of my ass and my boobs on Instagram too. But I wanted to also wait and show you something great. Finished product. Not everything is about a quick fix or quick hit. Sometimes life can be better when you spend time on a long game gain project. And then you come out with a beautiful book years later. People go crazy for it. This is the first book that I've ever seen this kind of a response from. So if you haven't picked up Kintsugi Wellness, I encourage you to pick it up. It will be the last book that I write in New York City for the time being. And uh, we did really well. I have a lot of people to thank. The book taught me patience. It taught me to be kind. Taught me to be honest. And to share all the parts of me that nobody thought I didn't think you wanted to hear. Um, my book agent, Annie McNichol and Eve Adderman, they would tell you that the book is my homecoming book. It is full of grace and honor. And I couldn't have picked a better book idea because it is my pulse, my spirit, and my legacy. Number five, patience is your highest virtue, and it will take a great deal of both time and money to get to where you want to be. Notes to young Candace. Number six is really painful. Friends, you will lose some, but you will gain all the gems. I don't really want to talk about the friends who were not very kind to me. I find that when we get older, we turn into our parents and my mom and dad are very graceful and quiet and loving and kind. And they internalize many thoughts 
And my mother uses gardening and teaching and exercising as her outlet. And my father uses work, helping others, and devotion to being of service to others as his outlet. My sister uses her entrepreneurial spirit in helping others in London with their cycling and their confidence and with her writing and her knowledge. Now I find I'm becoming every single one of them because I will tell you that I have internalized the pain of losing a few friends Um, and I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm committed to doing as much as I can on self-work for the last 20 days here. That's what I'm going to do because I won't be of good service to you if I'm not good to myself. And one must learn that when you let a few bad eggs go, you're going to open up the floodgates to the good eggs that you really want. And I thank my best friends for standing by me. Dana, Courtney, Steph, Nikki, Alyssa, Janelle, Molly, Crystal. I mean, there are so many of you. I can't really count all of you. But I can thank you. And even like Sahara Rose and and Rosie Acosta have been helping me so much. My friend Tammy, you guys want want me to come back to LA so bad. (laughs) And then there's the SF posse, Sajel. Angela, Molly, and Steph. Um, I'm I'm gonna be back, and I I love like my Cali friends that have moved here to New York too. Like Lauren, I'm gonna miss you tons, but I know you're gonna be back. <laughs> Surround yourself with some really good friends, and know painfully, but with truth and honor, that you're gonna lose some friends. Some friends are gonna be jealous of your success, and that's okay. It's not about you. That's about them. I've learned in New York that there are some amazing women out there. And actually, the women that I work with are some of my favorite people. Like Elizabeth Goodman, the head of Shape. Michelle P., the head of Cosmo. All my friends who are editors, like Faye or Janator or... Um, there's just so many of you. I can't count Christina over at L, Jenna over at L, um, and Faze at Cosmo and Jen is at Women's Health. And I met new amazing ones too. I just did an interview with Airbnb Mag at Hearst and met Yolanda and the list can go on and on. My friends are over at Pinterest and they're at Nike and they're at Adidas and Oh my God, Vinti, I love you. <laughs> There's just so many good ones and they make me smile. I try to think about all the new friends I've gained in eight years of living here and to have lost about four friends maybe, but gaining about a hundred. I'm okay with that ratio. Wabi sabi. Number seven, try to do mostly all the things you love that make you feel good. Make time to do good and have fun, but also make time to be bad. Date all the men that you want, stay out late, and never have any regrets. 
<laughs> Number seven. <laughs> I used to have this checklist of things I wanted to do here. I still have a few more to go. Like I still have to go to a Yankees game and get my Yankees cap for my friend Tom Bender and his docu. And I still have to, I don't know. I still have lots of things I want to do, but make time to be good. Make time to be bad. <laughs> no regrets. And yes, I love having fun. And that could be many different things, but make sure that you hang with friends who make you feel good and make you feel human. Because in the end, we can't take all that shiny stuff with us, but we can take the good times and the memories and the lives we changed, the hearts that we touched, and all the laughter in the world. Humor is always and forever my best medicine. And doing bad things and having fun is absolutely part of wellness. Number eight, surround yourself with the smartest people you know. Drop the dead weight and watch out for the social climbers. So I surround myself with really smart, really amazing people. The editors on my team that I work with are so great. The graphic artists, the shooters, um, the editors that work on the edit bay, like Avid or uh, um, what's it called? I can't even remember. My brain is fried. Anyways, I'm not good at InDesign. I'm not good at Photoshop. I'm not good at sitting in front of the Avid edit bay. Um, I know what I'm good at, and that's storytelling, writing, photography, and putting together great recipes and a big mic drop at the end of any presentation I give. I'm good at meetings in person and I know what I'm good at, but know what you need help with and know who you should surround yourself with. There are also many incredible publicists and agents and lawyers and even certified public accountants that have helped me along the way. Choose who you surround yourself with wisely. Do not play the fool. Really takes one killer to know another. And honestly, like I'm taking my production company on the road. We're going to do a road show. <laughs> it's not really a road show. It's like the book tour, but you know what I mean? I'm going to do this with the right team at the right time. And I pulled the fucking trigger and I said, I'm going to do this because I have outgrown the wellness space. I have outgrown books and I have outgrown New York City. In order to make a decision like this, I must remember to surround myself with the best. Continue to do so. Drop the dead weight, guys. You know who those people are. Cut them off, say goodbye, c'est la vie, move on, sayonara, move forward, drop the dead weight. You can do it gracefully, politely, you know what to do. Be a good person when you're doing it too. Work with kindness. And lastly, the social climbers. There are some people that are only concerned about being famous, making money, being beautiful, having lots of followers. You know, that's great. Have fun. But I have no interest in being friends with people that have those interests at heart. 
if you like helping people, if you're a great editor, if you tell good stories, if you're cool as fuck, I want to be friends with you. If you're a hard worker, if you're a badass, if you legit make me laugh, I want to be friends with you. If you do cool shit with your life, if you travel the world, if you look at life with a big open heart and open mind, if you take risks and chances, I want to be friends with you. If you love money and fame and fortune and really surfacey shit, not interested. Be wary of those people, guys. If you like me, you're probably the first of all of that. And uh, you just have to be careful. I just learned that in New York the hard way. And in L.A. They're kind of all over. Be good to yourself, but be honest to your audience. Nobody cares about all the stuff that's being sent to you and you making it look fabulous. Let's go deeper in sharing our stories and lives. Let's make an impact. And my God, let's bring street style back. How do we do that, guys? <laughs> uh, as a writer who came to New York City when street style was still a thing, I mean, fucking miss it. And a lot has changed because of social. So let's do a job where we can collectively say, let's do creative things, even if no one's watching, even if nobody cares. That's when I got into this industry. And that's how I know I'm a true pioneer and a legit boss because I didn't do this for the gram. I did everything because I just wanted to create beautiful things, even if nobody cares, as Saul Bass once said. Number nine, never ever change because who you are is so brilliant, so special. And being basic is just so boring. Also, please do not compare yourself to others. When I first came to New York, everybody wanted to tell me some kind of advice. Cover up your boobs on the subway. Don't make eye contact with anyone on the subway. Stand up against a wall if you're checking your phone. At nighttime, don't wear slutty clothes and be careful where you're walking. Do not jog late at night in Central Park. Do not jog in the snow because you'll slip and break your ankle. Be careful where you get your apartment and make sure that it's not next to a squat house. Do research on the part of town that you want to live in and make sure that your commute is going to be fairly painless. Don't get a car when you live in New York City. I also got a lot of advice that was like, don't tell people your feelings. Don't tell people when you're sad. Wear this. Say that. Be this. Do that. Shoulders up. <laughs> shoulders back. Head held high. I got a lot of good advice and I got advice that I probably shouldn't have taken. And I also had those producers that edited me into somebody that I wasn't. <laughs> But I didn't ever want to change because I really liked who I was. It was the same girl, little Candace, who walked into preschool, Wabi Sabi, and looked around the room and noticed that nobody else looked like her. Being half Asian, half white, being half Japanese, half Polish, being half Buddhist, half 
Christian, whatever you want to call it, when I was raised, everything, everything was perfectly imperfect. Everything. When I moved to New York, nobody looked like me. Nobody started in food and modeling and and then pioneered this like rando wellness space. Nobody. We didn't even have Instagram yet when I moved here. I lived in Brooklyn. I was poor. I barely made any money. I trained myself how to shoot a camera and be good to my team. I built my business. I ran an S Corp in LA and New York. I just did me. And you know what? My gauge was my gut and my mind and my heart. And I always had my friends check in on me and I checked in on them, especially my amazing friends from California because they always made sure um, I was happy. And I really commend some of my friends like Christina and Andy and Steph always check in on me to make sure like I'm doing okay. And I have these great long conversations with Dana and Nikki about life and the depth of life. And Crystal and I always bond now because we're the last two entrepreneurial single girls in our group from uh, high school. So we have so much in common and we, we both travel the globe for work now by choice. We're really not like looking, but you know, if somebody great comes along, awesome. But it's better to just enjoy your life right now and have fun and allow things to come. And I really love myself and where I am. And I didn't always say that, guys. There were times in New York where shit got tough, scary, hard, cold, sad, lonely, depressing. This was not all glorious. In fact, I would say like 80% of it was tough as fuck. 20% was glorious. Would I ever take back any moment I had here? The answer is never. Not one thing. Not even that shitty motherfucker that broke up with me the way that he so disgracefully did. All of it was a huge learning curve. All of it was what made me into who I am today. And I own and honor who I am. And I want you to as well. Please think about the time when you went through the toughest moment of your life. Give yourself credit for getting through it. You are like Kintsugi art when you mend and heal and seal. And by doing the work, I mean acknowledging the progress that you're making every day. Never change because who you are is so brilliant and so special. And being basic is so boring. Remember, basic. <laughs> Avocado toast. Not boring. Put a little miso on it and tokarashi. Not so basic anymore and amazing. And that recipe is in my new book. Okay, so the last thing on this number nine is don't compare. Oh my gosh. I did that for a really long time here in New York. And whether it was like my body, my recipes, my website, maybe it was the magazines I was writing for, TV shows I was getting booked on, how much money I was getting on my book deals, I compared constantly. And you know what? I still do it. I still do it. It's really tough as a small business owner or as an independent or creative, as an artist, a writer, director, producer, photographer, you guys all know, we are going to compare. That is part of the process. 
But when we can take our mask off and virtually close our eyes, ears, nose, mouth, if we take away every sense that we have and we just go with what is deep inside of our heart and gut, I don't want to leave New York. I have an addiction to New York. I fucking love New York. My most glorious and best years were here. But I have to go with my gut and heart right now that say there are millions of people out there suffering the world. And I have to go help them. I cannot deny that my book was picked up in almost 10 countries now, more to come after the Frankfurt Book Fair. I cannot help that there are people hurting that need my help, even if it's just a voice or pages to flip through and read. I will be there for them. If I changed who I was to be a shallow little bitch who wore cute clothes all the time, hosted TV shows, and stood there and did a stand and stir show to camera, I would have done a disgrace. And when my life got rerouted here and not easy, like I didn't get the shows I wanted, I didn't get the big book deals, I didn't get the big networks, if I didn't go through the grit and the lessons of being a writer, former line cook, former model, and now writer, and whatever the hell you want to call me, entrepreneur, <laughs> boss, ass, B, all that, I don't know what would have happened. But I'm excited because the next chapters to come are glorious. And as they always say, the best is yet to come. C.S. Lewis once said, there are far, far better things that lie ahead. Better things than anything we leave behind. Please lead the safe harbor. Explore, dream, discover, as Mark Twain says. Now, number 10 is Gaman. My secret weapon in enduring all that I went through in New York City. And remember, I wouldn't take anything back. I wouldn't have changed a thing. The greatest thing I can tell each of you is, is that my capacity to endure and internalize much of the struggles and the pain and the dark days, the winters, the friends who left, the boyfriends who left, the shows that never got picked up, the book pitches I wrote that got canned, every single person who told me no. I endured with resilience and grace, even when it was the harder thing to do. And if I could get paid in those love letters and your comments that you write on my Instagram posts, I would be rich. But money isn't an object that I'm looking at right now. I think the bigger thing is reflection in the 10, 10 things I'm sharing with you today in the eight years here. There's a whole chapter on Gaman in my new book that I think you'll really love. And it's about, I use Japan as an example from the 2011 earthquake. 
and I watched them so gracefully stand resilient within the toughest and most traumatic moments of their lives. And you too can practice this as well. You will need to do the work. And so read the Gaman chapter if you're going through a rough time of struggle or change. Kintsugi Wellness was written during the toughest years that I took here in New York. I've got two bonuses for you, of course. Bonus number 11 is remind yourself why you're doing this. For me, it is to help others. And then also to be in the present moment as much as you can. Live for this one moment. Live for today. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not promised. We must carry through on our day, giving and doing our best. That is the anthem of Gambate. In Japanese, live in the moment. Praise others and welcome Gambate, the spirit of giving and doing your best. Accept that when you do your best, you are doing enough. Now the next bonus and the last one. The Frank Sinatra song had played through my head all week. I cannot tell you When I moved here, my Uncle John, who used to live in Connecticut, and now he's in uh, Florida, of course, (laughs) Uncle John um, guided me a lot through my years of adolescence. He was my dad's baby brother. He was in the military his entire career. He was in the U.S. National Guard as a captain and also in the U.S. Air Force. Um, He's like a fire captain, sergeant, Um, and then he retired to go into the fire department in Connecticut as a captain there. And um, he had told me, you know, Candace, when you moved to New York, it was so apparent that we knew you would make it. And then we said, if Candace can make it here, she can make it anywhere. All right. I just want you all to live to your life's full potential because when I see that only about 2% or less of the population lives their fullest and best life, it makes me quite sad. As a child that was born from immigrant parents, they only wanted me to live a greater life than they had, and they had a pretty damn good life. I thank each of you who has been here on my journey. I thank every person that has published each one of my books Hyperion, Random House, Galvanized, Harper Wave, Harper Collins, Rodale. Thank you. Every magazine that had me on their masthead, shape, 
and men's fitness, writing for men's health and women's health. I think every TV show that had me on is a regular. The Today Show, Dr. Hobbs, Iron Chef America. Every time I put on my heels and I had perfectly styled outfits and the best hair and makeup ever and looked like a total Asian Barbie doll, every time I walked onto that set, I knew my mother was watching. She was my anthem to carry me through New York. Now, if I can get through eight years here, with tolerance, resilience, and grace, and pen six books, and do 60 branding deals, and stay with the same agents for a decade. You can do anything. I urge you to look deep inside of your heart today. You only live once. The shiny things will not matter. You cannot take them with you. Love yourself. Love your family. Love your friends. Be kind to others. Practice more gratitude. And if you must, you can listen to my list. The 10 things that I learned making it in New York City. Be gracious and honor yourself first. You'll be better when you're able. When you honor yourself, you'll be better to honor others number two remember that people will hurt you grace and resilience will be key number three expect nothing from anyone there are no handouts that will be given number four play hard be fair and be honest number five patience is the highest virtue it will take a great deal of both time and money to get to where you want to be. Number six, you will gain friends and you will lose some. Celebrate the gains. Number seven, try to do mostly the things that you love that make you feel good. Make time to be bad. Date all the men or women that you want. <laughs> Stay out late and never have any regrets. All is meant to happen just as it is in divine timing. Accept that. Try to do, oops, sorry, that was seven, <laughs> number eight. Surround yourself with the smartest people you know. Drop the dead weight and watch out for the social climbers. Remember, as my mom says, Many things are going to happen in your life. And you have to say to yourself, Shikata ganai. It cannot be helped. Let go of those things that you do have control of. Let go of those things that you do not have control of. Freedom is your greatest asset to living your best life. Give yourself that gift. Let go. <sighs> Number nine, never ever change because who you are is so brilliant. Basic is just boring. And please don't compare. Number ten, gaman. To endure is your secret weapon. 
that's your superpower, babes. Don't forget it. Gum on with great resilience. Number 11, remind yourself why you're doing this. For me, it's helping others and being in the present moment as much as I can. Let go and live. And if you can be of service to others, you will get paid back in dividends. But expect nothing in return. And the bonus, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And that's true. That is the one thing I'm walking away with my head high that I'm sure of. I am too emotional today to take your questions. I'm really sorry, but I'm going to actually take some time on myself so that I can answer better questions for you. Um, right where you are right now is where you're supposed to be. Take more risks and chances and honor yourself. Thank you for writing on my comments on Insta. When you write on my posts, I read every single note. Thank you for subscribing to my podcast, Wabi Sabi. Please share it with two friends and write your review. My hand is on my heart for all the free content that I've given to you for all of my eight years here in New York City, for the grace and the resilience and the tolerance for Gaman, for my Japanese mother and all the impersonations I gave of her on the Dr. Oz show. She says, You know, it's okay because I really don't even sound like that, okay? I know you are talking to Dr. Oz about me. And then I'm like, yeah, mom, but don't you want to be on the show? Don't you want to talk to Mehmet? No, I'm not interested in that, okay? I'm going to let you always be in front in the show. I'm okay with being behind you. <laughs> my greatest asset, my mother. <laughs> Embrace, love, live. Don't judge others. Just do you. Somebody's watching and taking notes. I am certain of it. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. New York, New York, I fucking salute you. You have made me into the woman I have always dreamed of becoming. Catch you guys soon. Love you, and thanks for being so fucking amazing. Ciao. New York, New York, these vagabond shoes are longing to stray right through the very heart of it, New York, New York, I want to wake up in a city that doesn't sleep. And find I'm king of the hill Top of the heap These little town blues